0: You're listening to Avid Research. Avid Research. Avid Research. An Australian STEM podcast where
1: we answer the questions you never quite got around to asking. Welcome back to the show, team. My name is Amelia, and today we have yet another wonderful and extra special show for you with two wonderful interviewees. This is all part of the collaboration with Sheddy Science where we're bringing to you the behind-the-scenes stories, behind-the-scenes of the wonderful illustrations that are on the Sheddy Science t-shirts this year in 2022. So welcome to the show, Anna, who's an almost-ish doctor in neuroscience.
2: Hi, thank you.
1: <laughs> and also welcome to the show, Rachel, who is an illustrator. G'day. Hi Amelia. (laughs) So welcome to both of you. Obviously you know neuroscientists and illustrators I don't know if they normally hang out. There might be a special bar somewhere but I haven't been invited but we might start with Anna. What is your job?
0: So my job currently is kind of a perpetual student (laughs) hopefully uh, to move past that at some point but as Amelia introduced not a doctor yet. I'm Uh, working on my PhD. So I spend most of my days kind of balancing between being a student still and learning how to be a scientist and being a scientist.
1: And specifically in, because I feel like the the area, the thing that you're doing is quite an important piece of this whole puzzle.
0: (laughs) Yeah, of course. So specifically, I'm getting my PhD in a neuroscience field. So I work in a lab that looks at learning and memory and we look at it in a model organism so not in humans but we're looking at it in worms so uh, these tiny microscopic little worms that believe it or not they do learn they do think and they do have memories and so we're looking at them and and kind of trying to discover how the brain works through a more simplistic brain model yeah we'll go with that
1: (laughs) Absolutely love it. And, you know, worms are cool, and it still blows my mind that the worms have memories, I think. But we can't get sucked all the way down into the worm rabbit hole. I feel like there should be a better way of saying that. But we might uh, now throw over to Rachel. What is your job as an illustrator?
2: My job as an illustrator, well... I don't have a specific job per se, but I have used my skills, my drawing skills to illustrate lots of different things from book covers to children's picture books. I've done large format artwork on paper for exhibition and I'm I do lots of fun things on the side as well like Sheddy Science where I get to I guess really test my ability to take an idea and turn it into a visual representation, which is really exciting. It's it's one of my favourite things. There's something about drawing that's kind of magical, and it's always been kind of magical, I think, to me, that you can put a pencil to a piece of paper and create something completely new, really, like with words, I suppose, as well, <laughs> When when writing. But, uh, yeah, that's what I do. I I do different sorts of drawings for different sorts of projects.
1: It's, uh, you know, as someone who is not a particularly good drawer, I'm great at stick figures. Taking sort of reality and being able to capture even just a little bit of it in a way that you can share with other people, like that that's a superpower. It's amazing. (laughs) It's pretty amazing. Would one of you be able to... I guess tell us a little bit about the piece of artwork that you've come up with.
0: I will let Rachel do this since she is the brilliant mind behind the design.
2: (laughs) What I love about working with Anna, when we first started talking, one of the first things Anna said to me, I don't have a creative bone in my body. And I just thought, dude, you're looking at worm brains. If that's not creative, I don't know what is. (laughs) <laughs> so, what we've done working together is I've read through Anna's research, I've sent Anna some reference images, and then we had a conversation about how those two things, those the information about the research... And the image references that are like all different sorts of images that I had swirling around my mind and and I found um, online to send to Anna, how we could bring those two things together. So the, the image that we've come up with that I have executed is an image that reflects what is the essence of Anna's research. And I asked Anna, what is is the bottom line of the research that you're doing? Because for me, it was really important to understand what is the key thing that the image needs to communicate. And Anna said that the essence of her research is to discover when the connection, the neuron connection is occurring and when the connection is ending. And And that kind of sparked an immediate visual for me, which was the idea of connection, neuron connection, but with the visual of the worm. (laughs) So worms kind of intermingling was an image that formed in my mind immediately. That sort of worms connecting, curling around each other and then worms not connected, perhaps laying side by side. And then because all of this is connected to the brain, the other striking image, an obvious one, is the brain. And actually when I started looking at images of the brain, I thought, damn, this brain of ours actually looks like it's made of worms. (laughs) (laughs) I came up with the idea of having an image of a brain with worms laying side by side, and then an image of a brain with worms kind of curled around each other, not connecting, connecting. And I suggested to Anna that I would hero her, she would be the person, the portrait, because I do a lot of portrait work, I would use Anna's portrait, but we would be able to see her brain inside her head, And then somehow I was going to work in the worms, but Anna wasn't super keen on that. (laughs) And also, not just from a, you know, being humble perspective, but from the perspective that her research is actually not just about humans, it has an interspecies dimension to it as well. So then I came up with the idea of having two heads, if you like, two human heads, one asleep, one awake. When the sleeping head, is the head that is not learning, it's passive, the worms are not connecting, the awake head is the learning, connecting head. (laughs) It's hard to describe this in words. It's much easier if I could show you. But then attached to those, the dual portraits and the dual brains with the different worms inside the brains are different species on the outside of them. So then in the end, we have an image of two heads, one asleep, one awake, active worms, passive worms. And then the other really important part of Anna's research is the use of fluorescence. So they can tell what, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong with this bit, Anna. They can tell what is happening with the worms through fluorescent light. So Anna had the idea of using a fluorescent light above the active worm head. And uh, so now we have this image of the heads, the species, the worms, and a fluorescent light above, hopefully telling the whole story in a picture.
1: <laughs> My goodness. Like, that was quite an adventure. And, you know, it's the, you're trying to communicate such abstract concepts mm. like connection. Like, communicating that visually is, you know, it's very hard linguistically, it's very, it's incredibly hard visually it sounds like quite a process and clearly you've been taking notes on Anna's research (laughs) well I think it's fascinating actually I think the whole
2: concept of memory and neurons and what Anna's work is all about is absolutely fascinating and it's much easier if I could show you my drawing to use that as the platform for explaining myself rather than words
0: I think you did a great job explaining it, <laughs> but it's an absolutely brilliant design and you should definitely go look at it at the very least, but yeah, yeah, it's incredible. The amount of information that Rachel was able to like, not only pull out of my rambling <laughs> when we spoke about my Research, but then just kind of connect all of these different pieces of little things that I said here or there, or little things that you know she'd seen or she heard. And it, I think, although it is a very abstract concept, like a worm learning, a worm memories, I think that the design does a really good job of kind of showing how you know it's all interconnected, it's not just. You know, looking at humans doesn't just affect humans. Looking at worms doesn't just affect worms. Like we all are intaking information. We're all processing that information and saving it and then getting rid of it. And it might look differently in each of these species. But I think the design does a really good job of showing that although it's different, it's kind of the same and it's kind of something that unifies anything that has neurons. I and mean, it's just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. What was the process
1: like from your side Anna like how did you go about working out what information you felt like you should send Rachel yeah
0: that's a great question so I would say my part of the process was uh, a lot heavier on the like beginning end of it and then it was a lot of just kind of letting go and letting Rachel do these brilliant things <laughs> but I would say that for me a lot of it was trying to think about how would I explain this in a way that one is going to like convey any sort of visuals because the brain, especially in a worm that doesn't have a structure that actually looks exactly like a brain as we think of it, because it doesn't have what we would see when you would look up a, a human brain. So how would I be able to kind of explain it in a way that you could even begin to understand the visuals of this? And then kind of what were the, key points, what are the big things? And if I was talking to someone who maybe was not necessarily in a scientific field but like interested in science, how would I explain it to them so that it's in a way that is probably the most relatable and therefore the most easily conveyed through a design because if it's something that I would only be able to explain to another scientist that doesn't sound like something you'd be able to draw well that other people would be interested in. So I do have some family members that aren't scientists. So I did some trial runs on them. Like, if I said this, does this make sense? What other pieces of information do you need? What analogies can I give you that makes this kind of make sense in a way that you understand what I'm saying? And then translating that into what are the biggest pieces of information that I think need to be taken away? What are the biggest misconceptions to kind of head that off and... I mean, Rachel just did a, an amazing job. I gave a three minute spiel about my research when they were pairing us up. And she came into our conversation with so many questions and so many brilliant images she'd already come up with on her own. And from there, it was just, you know, explaining a little bit more the science behind what I particularly do versus like the generalization that I gave and how that would kind of translate and then answering questions. And yeah, I think that's really where I was at with it. And then I got to see all of the designs along the way and how it kind of blossomed from this idea to this beautiful, beautiful design.
1: Did Rachel ask you any particularly good questions?
0: Oh, so many. (laughs) Let's see if I can remember any particularly.
1: Unless Rachel remembers some. I do, I remember
2: asking Anna to explain it to me like I was three because if a three-year-old can understand it, then I can understand it. And for me, you know, for drawing something so complex, I mean I obviously I read the papers that Anna sent through but being able to actually talk it through is much easier in a way. But I, I do remember asking Anna to explain it to me like I'm three and if there is like one key thing about this research, what is the key thing that she's trying to do? You know, what's the main thing, the basis? Mm. And, and that, that for me was what I really wanted to get to. What is the essence of this work? And what is the, the thing, the main thing that the drawing must communicate? That was really helpful, and she was able to answer to answer
1: the question. Clearly, the practice with the relative paid off. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great advice for everyone. What was the hardest part of like this whole, I guess, experiment? I might throw that one to Rachel. To be honest, I haven't found this
2: very hard at all, and I think that's because. Anna has been so good at explaining something very complex in very simple terms, and I think that we have been able to communicate very well and very clearly and easily with each other, and it's it's been very easy in that way. So straight from the beginning, I had a really clear understanding of what Anna was doing. That sparked a lot of ideas for me. I shared them with Anna. She was able to respond straight away. I think in the first phone call, the first phone call we had went for about an hour and um, we'd settled on a concept by the end of it. And I went away and started working on it. And as I was progressing, I was sending Anna photos uh, from my phone so I was able to get that sort of regular feedback from her, and and that was telling me that yes, it was working, Anna was happy, so I just kept going, and I feel like it it's just come together so easily, and um, like so many things, it's uh, I think largely been down to good communication, and Anna's a, a great client. You know, if <laughs> if Anna was my client, I would love her. Um, she's she's been so encouraging and positive about everything and very constructive with her feedback you know she's the perfect person to work with really thank you Anna
0: (laughs) oh that's so sweet thank you no Rachel has been a joy to work with and I think (laughs) if I can piggyback off of this I think the hardest part is just realizing how truly talented some people are because I think I've never been that close with anyone who does art as like a profession, at least in like a drawing aspect. And so to me, it's very abstract that someone can like come up with it. It's just things that I see. And I don't think of like the real person that does all of these amazing things. And then to actually like, kind of be even in the smallest part, a part of the process of making something like this. I think the hardest part is the reality that like, For me, oh, some people are so artistically talented. It's like this is not something that a computer came up with. This is something that someone put pen to paper and was able to produce. Absolutely incredible.
1: I think that's a really interesting, like, concept of heart because I'm like, you know, no, you couldn't go and do the same level of illustration that Rachel can, but somehow I suspect that Rachel couldn't necessarily wander into your lab and do the same, like, Thing. like that that's a skill as well. It's just not necessarily as easy to share. that's why you need the teamwork. It's fantastic <laughs>
0: yes <laughs> and
1: lots, lots of practice
2: <laughs>
1: yep, yep, that doesn't come from nowhere you've and it I'm very curious because both scientists and artists have i guess there's a strong reputation in the media. there's a lot of ideas about what either are like, often they're wrong. And I'm curious if you sort of came into this situation with preconceptions about what it would be like to work with a scientist, what it would be like to work with an artist, and whether or not you found those preconceptions to be challenged, or I think you know what I'm asking. I might start with Anna. Yeah,
0: I think that's a great question, because I think there is like a very specific archetype you see in media portrayals. But I think... I don't know that I came in with preconceptions about what Rachel would be like and what working with an artist would be like, maybe subconsciously, but not anything that I can say I had a specific thought or idea of what it was going to look like, what she was going to be like, what our interactions would be like. I'm not sure... Why? Because I think a lot of cases, preconceptions play a huge role. So I don't know why this case was different because it is a very strong stereotype, an archetype, but it, I think people are people and every profession is going to be populated with people that are wildly outside of whatever archetype and Mm -hmm. stereotype they kind of get shoved into. Maybe it helps that I Am an international student, so I'm not from here. So I was already kind of meeting everybody. Although I'm from the United States, which has a fairly similar culture, it's still radically different. I've spent time, I spent a, less than a year, it was supposed to be longer, but I spent a good chunk of time in the UK as well at a very international program for my master's. And so I think maybe. There was a part of that where I've met so many people that are like not the archetype of science or not the archetype of whatever it is, like the archetype of an Australian, the archetype of someone from the UK, someone from India, someone from China, like they just wildly outside of that, that I think I don't come with expectations anymore. But I think that a lot of that comes from interacting with people that are different to a point where you just kind of disregard stereotypes and archetypes
1: i love it if that's the way to get rid of rid of the stereotypes we need to send everyone everywhere (laughs) (laughs) just meet people yes meet lots of people different people what about you rachel scientists do have a specific reputation in the media
0: (laughs) very specific
1: I think Anna's answer to that question was
2: fantastic and I actually couldn't agree with her more. We're all people and there's so much difference between us but so much the same between us, among us as well. I don't think that I came to the project with any specific notions about what a scientist is or should be. And in fact, that's probably because I've spent many years working with scientists in my professional life. And in fact, until quite recently, I've been working on gender equity in STEM, working to increase awareness around gender equity in STEM. And so I certainly was very aware of lots of different types of scientists, very aware that scientists don't wear lab coats 24 seven. They're not all white men (laughs) and they're not sort of, you know, mad geniuses like Einstein, which I think is probably an archetype that's been around for a while. And similarly with artists, you know, I think that there's an archetype, or there has been anyway, that artists are somehow kind of flaky, off with the fairies, driven by passion and talent. This is just this innate talent that we're born with and that is similarly untrue. I mean, parts of it are true, of course, but, you know, as as artists go, you know, you have to be incredibly organised, disciplined, dedicated, and it's a lot of hard work, just like anything. So, (laughs) so much for
1: stereotypes.
2: I think they can all go in the bin.
1: (laughs) Uh, yes, and I think particularly like artists and scientists have been uh, done a great disservice by the the media because it's just not. I mean, th- this whole project wouldn't work if either of those stereotypes were like deeply true. Just
2: it's very true, and the thing that allowed us to connect um, was that we're both people. You know, Anna, Anna and I are different in many ways. She's a scientist, I'm an artist, she's American, I'm Australian. She's younger, I'm older. <laughs> you know, there are lots of differences between us but we're both people and we managed somehow to still get on very well actually I think.
1: And clearly find some very interesting things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> what are you hoping that people, like someone's walking down the street and. I have to think of a different example. They walk into their local hardware store and someone goes, dude, your shirt is cool. And they're like, yes, it's about worm brains. Like what is the one thing that you're hoping the person wearing the shirt will be able to communicate or share with that person who says the shirt is cool? Right? might shoot you, Rachel.
2: Well, the dude that shirt is cool reaction is exactly what I'm going for. <laughs> And I hope that the wearer of the shirt says, "Yeah, this shirt is super cool. I love it." <laughs> and it means, and it means, um, look, if uh, look, I don't know if it even matters if they know what it means. If if they do, I think that's a bonus. But it's a really cool image, and I think that the image does say what it is. And you know, if if nothing else, it could just be a conversation starter, dude. Why, have you got worms coming out of the brain on your shirt?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely that. It's an intention girl. Ah, <laughs>
1: oh, I would love to hear this conversation now. Yeah. Ah, oh, what about you, Anna? Is there anything you're really hoping that will be communicated I mean, in this piece of apparel?
0: I think that. I mean. My research, I think it's very important. I'm very interested in it. But at the end of the day, this is a t-shirt and it has a piece of art on it. So as much as I hope people come away from this thinking, huh, maybe worms are cool or, you know, maybe there's more to this brain thing than we think. Or, you know, maybe when we think about brains, it shouldn't just be humans, like the interconnectedness and all of that. I think at the end of the day, as long as people are enjoying a very cool, Design and are thinking about anything at all. I think that's a success.
1: It would be cool if more people thought worms were cooler
0: Because worms. Yes, are I mean I'm a big fan of worms. A little bit biased. A little bit, just a little.
1: What about what have you learned from this whole process? What are you going to take away, like after National Science Week, other than a cool shirt, Anna?
0: I think that this process was a really good opportunity to learn communication skills and different ways of synthesizing information to different people and in different kind of avenues so that it's not like it's I think as a scientist people get trained to talk to other scientists but they don't get trained to actually go back and think about what does this actually mean and how would I explain this to any person on the planet. And I think this was a really good learning opportunity. And I think it was also a really good learning opportunity about how different people di- think about things differently, which being a neuroscientist, I think it's very cool. And how they process information differently and how they then arrive to these really interesting results that you may never have thought of, but that doesn't mean that it's incorrect So just being able to communicate with other people and do it openly without expectations of one result or another, and in a way that's not belittling someone. I think that's the other thing, is that scientists, because we do get taught to only talk with other scientists, that when we do breach the bubble, sometimes it can come off as trying to explain things as condescending. And I think that should never be the case. I don't like being condescended to, you, so I would hate to do that to someone else. So a really good opportunity to learn skills, to not do that and to, I mean, just communication skills. I think it was a really good project for learning communication skills.
1: Absolutely love it. And especially that communication where you, like, it's not just like we're trying to get to a conclusion on a paper, but it's where... We're gonna to have to go through a process where your ideas are gonna to have to be a bit challenged. You're gonna to have to think about things a little bit differently.
0: Very, it's exactly. good for the
1: brain, actually. I think.
0: Yes, and I think it's good sometimes to, you know, put scientists in different <laughs> situations, environments, because I think sometimes we can start to get a little bit of a big head, <laughs> and to get a reality check from other people, like the rest of the world exists. Here's what we think you're saying now. Talk to me like a like a person and maybe we can have a conversation about what you do. Otherwise, why should I care? Because you're not communicating with me at a level that I deserve to be communicated with. So why should I bridge the gap with you? Why should I put in the effort? And I think sometimes maybe getting knocked down wasn't the right word, but I think sometimes we can get stuck on, well, people should try and understand what I'm doing. And it, I think sometimes... We need the reality check. Well, maybe we should go the other way. Maybe we should approach others and be like, hey, let me help you understand what I'm doing. What do I need to do? Where do I need to come from? What do I need to explain? How can I help you so that we can come to an understanding? Love it. That's so many good
1: things. So many good things. What about you, Rachel? Is there anything you've learned that you're going to take away from this?
2: Well, I couldn't agree more with um, Anna's points about communication again we come back to communication um that's that's been pivotal throughout all of this but for me it's just fascinating how many different little worlds there are out there and it was such a joy and a privilege to dip into this little world that not that it's little Anna (laughs) this big (laughs) this big world that I didn't know about And I just love that there are so many worlds out there and it's been so exciting and fascinating to dip into this new world and that's what it's all about, dipping into new worlds and finding new ways of doing things and new ways of being and learning and growing constantly. And that's what this project has been for me.
1: I love it. It's beautiful. And it's not that the world is small, it's just often that there's
2: not so many people who are. And not enough time to meet them all.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. And then you discover you, you ask the right question about worms and whew, the whole world explodes. You <laughs> who even knew that... worms had
2: brains? I didn't even know worms had brains until recently. I'd
1: never really they're thought not about it. they brains like ours. <laughs> and then you can make them glow. It's not just that they yes. have brains, but then you can take the next step and create glowing brains.
0: It's really, pretty great. Cool.
2: <laughs> it's pretty cool and somehow we can extrapolate from that down the track Anna some learnings for human brains. How cool is that?
1: It's amazing. Know ourselves better and it's fantastic. Well, uh actually, no, before before we start wrapping up, have you both got a shout out or a virtual high five for like to take this opportunity for someone or someone who thinks doing an awesome job and just deserves a shout out.
0: start with Anna. Oh, I might take a page out of my supervisor's handbook from when she answered this question a couple of months ago. By the way, my supervisor did an excellent episode of this podcast about wrangling worms. Definitely worth checking out. But I think I'm just going to shout out everyone who's just doing their best. It's, I think we're pretending like it's not, but we're still in the middle of you know, trying times and pandemic and everything else that's going on. So I think anyone who's just trying their best.
1: Yeah, lots of lots of high fives, because it's not somehow it hasn't managed to get easier yet. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I have to give a a
2: shout out to Maddie um, for pulling together Shirty Science. She's been doing it for a number of years now. And it's an amazing initiative. And I'm I'm just so happy to
1: be a part of it, and I think she's doing a great job. And she she does a lot of heavy lifting by herself, so definitely high five, Maddie. Thank you Thank both you. so much for coming on the show. It has been absolutely delightful, and it's just going to be the most epic T-shirt.
0: <laughs> if anything, I'm just so excited to be part of this because I get a T-shirt at the end of this, and it's so cool.
2: I want to see <laughs> everyone in the lab wearing one.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> They all have already said that they're buying one and they want to take pictures. Fantastic. They're very excited.
2: Oh, cool. You'll have to send me a photo of everyone in the lab wearing the t shirt. I definitely will. Brilliant. Thank you both so much. Thanks, Amelia. Thank you. Thanks, Anna.
1: thanks for tuning in if you like this episode please pass it on to someone else who you think might enjoy it as well and if you want to support avid resets this year that would be amazing uh, you can buy us a coffee head to avidresearch.com.au and there'll be a link buy me a coffee and you can support us with a one-off little coffee payment thanks so much for listening you're a legend